0: Vitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Episode 45 of the Mike and Mo Show. We're back. That's right, three weeks in a row going strong. Don't don't even don't even sweat it. Mo, I know you were worried for a minute we weren't gonna come back this week, but you know. Keeping I was going to cry. I know, just keeping it real, keeping it real for everybody. Uh, last week was a busy week in the world of sports. We had the NFL draft, and might I say it was actually a pretty entertaining draft, not the usual snooze fest that it is. Uh, we're, we're finally in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, as you know, this should be going on until, what, October, uh, it seems. Uh, the NHL playoffs are going on. The, the Rangers are actually winning 2-0 right now looking to tie up that series. And, of course, there's plenty going on in the world of baseball. But before – we Get to the good stuff, we gotta drop it with Mo's rant. So, Mo, what is on your mind today?
1: Hey, you know, it's been on my mind for a while. I'm sure you guys, if you've been listening to this show, you guys know that I'm about five, seven, Uh-oh. five, six, and three quarters, mm-hmm. five, six, and maybe seven eighths. <laughs> but, um, The talk of the town now, the talk of the NBA, of course, behind LeBron James is Isaiah Thomas. He dropped 53 points on the Wizards in Game 2 to lead that team to victory in overtime on his sister's birthday, his sister who who, uh, died in a car accident. Um, But now the discussion is, is he the best, is he one of the best little guys in the NBA? And I've seen comparisons to Tiny Archibald. I've seen comparisons to Allen Iverson uh isaiah thomas the original isaiah thomas and i'm saying why do we have to subcategorize guys who were under six feet why can't we just say is you know it it was one of the best playoff experiences we've seen why do we have to say best playoff experience we've seen from a little guy it's like saying oh you're 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 pretty for a big girl or you're smart for whatever race you want to use, insert race. And I know those are sensitive subjects, but, and I know this is sports, so it's less sensitive, but we need to just stop subcategorizing things and putting things in separate categories and just congratulate the person for for what they are, for what they've done. And Isaiah Thomas, yes, he is 5'9", and a lot of people didn't expect him to do what he's doing after being bounced around a league. He went from Sacramento to Phoenix, and now he's on, on the Celtics, and now people are even asking, did Danny Age do the right thing? By putting together this team And not trading away draft picks And I'll say Wait a minute Hold on They haven't played The the Cleveland Cavaliers yet Once they play the Cavs We'll know How good the Celtics are It's the Wizards I give them respect But it's It's still the Wizards They have a lot of flaws They don't have perimeter defense But I'm still giving Isaiah Thomas his due credit Which he deserves But what I'm saying is Remove the whole Oh For a guy under 6 feet For a guy under 5'10 He He's just a very good player He's a he's an all-star he's the only all-star on his team wow. a lot of people thought that al Hawford was probably the best player on that team and now you're seeing in the clutch when the celtics need it most it's isaiah thomas whether he's six foot one six five five nine five two it, it doesn't matter we don't need the extra category to justify him being great in that playoff in that playoff performance he is who he is he's again he's an all-star and he's aver- he averaged 23 points in that first series. Who knows what he's going to average in the second series, but I would guess he'd be around the same. But give credit to where it's due, and don't take anything away from him just because he's under six feet tall.
0: I couldn't agree more. And like you said, it, it, it's many, many things, not just height. Uh, not just race, gender, creed, whatever you want to say. We we people always seem to put others in categories. For whatever reason, we don't want to be labeled, but we're so fast to label others, and I, I wish it would stop. Um, I don't know if it if it ever will. It probably won't because it's so easy to categorize someone that you maybe you are different than to just put them in, in, you know, okay, well, they're this, they're that. Well, no, they're just a basketball player. You know, I don't, I don't have to be, you know, the best... White shooter, I, I can just be the best shooter. I don't have to be the best black swimmer, I can just be a, a great swimmer. I mean, give the guy his props. Six hours of dental surgery the other day after getting his tooth knocked out on the day his sister would have had her birthday and he drops 53 points and it, it seemed like he could score from anywhere in the building I mean it's one of the all-time great playoff performances I mean it goes down with the Willis Reeds I mean it, it is it's that incredible and I, you know I've been skeptical of Guy because you know I, I say well can you really build a team around a guy who okay I'll throw I throw the short thing out there but also a guy who doesn't play defense It's it's, it's he's a one-dimensional player but Looking at his stats, since he's come to Boston in 2014-15, stats have gone up every year. I mean, average 28.9 points. And for a guy who doesn't play D, he plays some great offense. So, you know, a lot of times they say the best defense is a great offense, and he's showing it. But – like you said, again, what will happen next round when they play Cleveland? Uh, all along, we've all expected Cleveland to, you know, get to, the, uh, get to the finals like they did the past number of years. But it'll, it'll be a great test, and we will finally get to see what Isaiah is, you know, capable of on the big stage. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and, and mad props to the guy. He deserves it, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, he can get through this really tough time and uh, take something good away from, from everything that he and his teammates are accomplishing.
1: The thing is, I can understand the criticism when people say, oh, can you build a team around a guy who's 5'9"? No. See, I can understand that criticism because the league is oh, it's a wing guard league now. Guys are averaging, I, I would guess the average height. If I had to guess right now on air, I would say 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, most players, for a guy like Isaiah Thomas, to take it to the paint, and I get shot blocked. He was the, I guess, I read a stat when he was the player with the shot block the most going into the postseason, and he somehow, he's Fix that where he can contort his body in the air and put put up a shot without getting any blocked. But I can understand and worry about building a team around a five foot nine guy. What I what I can't stand is when people say, Well, you're good, but it's like saying you're good, but you yeah. have this. You're, you know, you're pretty, but you have this. You're you're smart, but I'm not used to people of the way you look, you know, coming off smart. It's kind of like saying you had this handicap and, and you're overcoming this handicap. And what I'm saying is, being short necessarily is not a handicap. I know we don't have a lot of five foot nine basketball players running around, but it can be done. And it's not, and it's not like it hasn't been done before. It's, it's just that, even for me growing up, you kind of look at you kind of look at the NBA players and you're like, wow, most guys are six seven. So a lot, a lot of people don't even give it a try because they feel like I'm under that average. So I'm not going to even try. But I, I would guarantee you, if more people under six feet would say, you know what? I have an inspiration. I look up to Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. I can do the same thing he's doing on the court. I guarantee you would we'll have a lot more guys six feet or under flourishing in the NBA.
0: Absolutely. It's it's, it's a backhanded compliment, you know, to, to say what they're saying. And let's face it, guys. Uh, Steph Curry, probably not six foot either. He's probably more like 5'10", but they give you a couple inches. So it is being done. Guys under six foot or six feet or however you want to say it are achieving things in the NBA – but, you know, again, it is a big man's game. Big men are always going to get the first look, uh, you know, at, at colleges and, and even the high school level, AAU. But uh, appreciate the greatness that we're getting to witness. And, uh, hey, anything can happen the rest of this playoffs until they get to the Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, because Cleveland, we all know, is going to steamroll their way to the finals. But uh, don't want to jump too far ahead. We'll be right back with something that's burning Mike's biscuits, and he'll 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 touch on that next. I'll let him have the floor.
0: Open mic. Well, like Mo said. My biscuits are burnt. I do love biscuits, by Too the burnt. way. Yeah, super crispy. My issue lies with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now it doesn't lie well it but hear me out, it doesn't lie with Joe Mixon per se. It's not it's not I'm not getting into what he did we all know what he did by now what he did was a terrible thing no man should ever hit a woman or vice versa for that matter everybody should keep their hands to themselves unless you're a professional boxer and you're in a ring getting paid uh but my point my problem lies with the team i'm gonna give you some names real quick and think about these guys because they have all been drafted or signed by the Bengals and all have had uh, a number of let's say high-profile incidences, uh, arrests, convictions, fines, suspensions, whatever you want to, whatever you want to categorize it as, they have been punished by the NFL at one time. Uh, so real quick, we're gonna start: Frosty Rucker, Chris Henry, who you know passed away, God rest his soul. Pac-Man Jones, Vontez Berfect, who is probably the dirtiest player in the league ray mauluga aj nicholson leon hall jerome simpson brandon joiner who was signed uh, as a rookie who was undrafted and also cedric benson now that is a lot of players that have all played for one team now the nfl nfl is made up of you know not choir boys this it's a rough and tumble game these guys they, they earn their money they play hard and sometimes It shouldn't, but it carries over to the off-field. But the problem that I have is something that Troy Aikman actually approached and said uh, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, He weighed weighed in on a similar topic when the Cowboys were dealing with their own set of problems with uh, Des Bryant, Randy Gregory, Lyle Collins, and Greg Hardy. Basically, what Aikman said is that the Cowboys did not instill a winning mindset through a positive, rewarding environment. Therefore, they as a team didn't deserve to win games until they cleaned up the way they do business. Now, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, well, the Oakland Raiders, it worked for them, and then, you know, the 70s and the 80s, is, you know, all of this, and they they signed bad boys and they won. Okay, that, that, that was then, and, and this is now. So... Where I'm going to take it is I'm going to do – I'm going to look at what Aikman had said and and understand that and say, well, you know, it looks like the Cowboys have kind of cleaned up their – you know, the way their organizations run. Dez Bryant is – seems to be on the straight now. Randy Gregory is suspended, probably will never come back. Lyle Collins, I I have no idea where he is. And Greg Hardy looks like he's – is he going to the Canadian Football League? Who knows? But – what I'm trying to say is it looks like they have cleaned up their, their, their problem area, and look how good they've advanced. And, yes, they still have some knuckleheads. You know, Crop Top still does his things from time to time. And, and again, certain guys are going to get a certain amount of leeway because they're spectacular players. But Cincinnati is such a train wreck. They're not much better than their crosstown rival Cleveland Browns, yet they seem to get a pass. And how they've had the same head coach and the same front office basically for almost 15 years is beyond me because they sign these players and they draft these players who are nothing but problems. And nine times out of ten, they don't even give you anything on the field to warrant signing them. So I don't understand how they continue to perpetuate everything that they do and say, well, it's okay to sign these guys and give them a second and third and and Pac-Man Jones is uh, a 12th chance in the league just because they're decent they're okay they're average as far as football players are concerned they're not doing anything that's getting these guys to pro bowls or winning super bowls i mean marvin jones has been around a long time obviously he's a mentor to some from some regard but his teams are not very good and they're not high profile high character type of teams so how does he still have a job? How do people still support a team like that? And you know what? I, for one, I'm, I don't really care that they lose because they really, as a whole, I'm sure there's some good apples on the team. But as a whole, they don't really want to go out and say we're doing the right thing. We're, we're, we're showing ourselves to the community, to a younger generation, that we're trying to make, it, make football safe. We're trying to employ people who deserve it, a second chance. We're all talking about second chances, and Joe Mixon is now getting a second chance. And there's been plenty of other guys that didn't ray rice so why is it good for one and not good for the other i don't know but if i was a if i was a cincinnati bengal fan i would do some soul searching and possibly start rooting for another team
1: yeah i read somewhere where the fans in cincinnati are planning on boycotting their team and uh, i totally understand it but i would suggest the Bengals do because it's- You're gonna have to do some damage control, obviously, and you just listed rattled off a bunch of names that who played for the Bengals and had their issues with the law. I would connect Joe Mixon and Ray Rice together, and Howie Rice kind of showed his remorse and you know tried to say he's he's sorry for what he did. I would connect the two, and maybe he can kind of mentor Joe Mixon, even though what Joe Mixon did, he he did this at I believe 17 years old, was suspended. Uh, there's still some making up to do as far as the public is concerned, as far as the optics are concerned. He's still going to do some things that shows that he's on the right path. Now, he hasn't been in, in any major trouble since that incident, and I'm one who does believe everyone deserves a second chance as long as you know, they uphold on that second chance. But you are you are representing a community. Once you're, once you're playing for a football team, once a team drafts you, those, those fans, those people, people in that community they identify they connect with you so in order to smooth that road he's going to have to do a little bit more maybe you know donate to some charities maybe go to some fundraisers maybe do some things get active in the community as far as domestic violence is concerned or i should say violence against women is concerned because his specific case is not really considered domestic violence he was in a public area when it happened again it doesn't make it any less gruesome but um again he should connect with Ray Rice and they should get something together where he can he can kind of show the fans that, look, I made a mistake, but I'm moving on and I'm on the right path now because I mean we all make mistakes but I told someone recently that sometimes the mistakes you make as a teenager or as a young child follow you. Things like hitting a woman, murder, uh you know you know anything having to do with a child with a child or a minor in that case, those things will follow you for the rest of your life. You know, no one, every, again, we all deserve, a lot of us deserve second chances, but you have to bear the consequences That just because you, you're you not owed a second chance. Not everyone is owed a second chance. So some some fans are okay with Mixon being on the team, a lot not so much, only because of what you said about perfect and Adam Jones being in that locker room. They're not exactly the perfect role models for Mixon. But the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals are gonna have to do some some damage control throughout the whole entire offseason. Because I would assume that with Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy already on the roster, that he's not gonna have a lead role. But the fact that he's on the team and his name has been plastered all over the place and he wasn't invited to the NFL Skyrim combine and it's been a big story throughout the whole offseason about where he's gonna go. And now he's that now that he's on a team that has had plays with check or pass is going to be an even bigger story so Cincinnati has to get out before it and make sure they address it at every turn and they can't hide him let him do his press conferences let him answer the questions let him be contrite. let him show that he's remorseful about what he did and that he's moving on but again the organization cannot hide him from the public because the public will say how do we know that we can trust this guy how do we know that we can connect with this person that you drafted on your team in the second round Who's probably going to lead your backfield in a year or two?
0: Bigger and and another question for me is, what that draft pick you have Giovanni Bernard, you, you have you have Hill, so one of them's got to get cut. You would think in training camp. I mean, I just I don't I feel like there's so many needs on that team that they needed to address as it is. And you know this is obviously going off topic from what we spoke about, but it just seemed like. I, it just didn't. The, the pieces didn't fit together. Why would you draft a guy with a questionable pass and it doesn't fit for your team? Unless you're gonna totally shake it up. I, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I see. I see the Bengals probably shaking it up. They weren't too happy with Jeremy Hill's production. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts with Jeremy Hill. I, I would assume that Jeremy Hill is gonna still be the power runner in between the tackles. Genovia Bernard is gonna be more of the receiving back. And again, Joe Mix is going to come around, I would say, in the next in the following year, 2018. He'll have a much more significant impact. But as for now, I think they're going to just have him sit on the sideline, cool off, let him watch. Uh, he'll, he'll get some carries, he'll get some catches. But it's not going to be his time yet. I think the first step is him just kind of rehabilitating his image. Again, I'm not condemning him for what he did at 17. But when you're new in the public eye and people are just hearing about your story— he's going to have to mend more fences, and that's just the reality of the story. But as far as the Bengals picking him in the second round, I think the Bengals, I, th- I feel like they're they're trying to compete offensively with the Steelers. Uh, get their first-round pick, John Ross, is a wide receiver. Again, this is a little off-topic, but he's a speedy wide receiver, and then they pick up Joe Mixon. So their first two players were offensive players followed by Derek Willis, who's a pass rusher. So I feel like they're, they're preparing for a division matchup with the Steelers who have an explosive offense. So they felt, you know what? The Steelers don't have the best defense. Maybe we don't need the best defense. We can go with an explosive offense and match up with them because they do have a decent secondary. If Adam Pacman Jones can keep his face out of, out of the papers and not his name out of the hotline, um, headlines, but he had an incident with a cop. Uh, he basically said something derogatory to a cop. I'm not a real big fan of Adam Pacman Jones, but when he's you on know the field, he's pretty talented. So I guess the Bengals felt like, you know what, we're we're gonna stack up on our offense and see how it works out. As far as Joe Mixon is concerned, again, fans are gonna have their opinion. Uh, I would like to see how this plays out and how long it takes for him to kind of get over that that old that image of him, because that video isn't going anywhere. That I've seen the video probably five times because I wanted to only because it's been plastered everywhere. But that video is gonna stay online forever and he's going to have to live up to that every day. Every time he walks into work, every time he walks into the facility, he's got to prove that he's on the right. He's going to he's on the straight and narrow or else if he has one slip up, one suspension, any altercation, they're going to play that video again and they're going to question that Bengals pick.
0: Sticking in the world of questionable draft picks, we shift on over to the Chicago Bears. And you have to you have to wonder what were they doing Moving up one spot to give up – giving up a whole heap of draft picks to take Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell. Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> now, you know, I have no problem that the Bears felt he was their guy. You know, they feel like he's, you know, the, the, the answer at quarterbacks. And Sid Luckman, you know, I mean it's been a long time since the Bears had a franchise-type quarterback. But, Mo, your boy, Mike Glennon, who robbed a bank this offseason, signing a three-year, $45 million contract, 18 and a half of it guaranteed, was a little salty at, at the way things went down after accepting an invite to a draft party at Soldier Field. Now, what, what was he doing? Did he have any idea? Was he blindsided? Because what he, what he said on the record was was a little, uh, little strange. Uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, insecure for, for a professional athlete who just signed a big contract.
1: Well, he said exactly that he felt the team cheated on him by <laughs> drafting Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Um, I'll say this: uh, if you're if you're an athlete, if you're especially a quarterback and you don't have a very uh, uh, good resume in the league. You have to expect that you're going to be competing for your job because Glennon hasn't done anything in this league. He was a backup for the most part with the Tampa Bay Bucks, coming off. Now he's now he's the quote unquote starting quarterback for the Bears, but you have to believe that the team eventually would bring in someone who, a, can step in just in case you get hurt, or b, step in if you stink. So for Mike Glennon to say, I think I felt like they cheated on me, one. On one hand, I kind of feel for him because, as you said, they didn't they did invite him to a draft party. And if you're going to draft a quarterback at number two, you don't invite your incumbent quarterback to the draft party. That, that makes me think that the Bears didn't know what they were doing coming in I, because the reports came out. First, Chris Mortensen said that head coach John Fox did not um, know that the Bears were going to trade up for Mitchell Trubisky. Then reports came out saying that he did know. I'm trying to say that he did not know, because if you knew that you were going to draft this kid at number two, you're not going to bring Mike Glennon to the the draft party to watch this. It's like going to a party with with a girl that you're talking to, and then you introduce her to a girl that you're really interested in and say, hey, this is... Tammy, who I've really been interested in, I'm bringing her in. I mean, I'm not really that interested in her, but she's a possibility. But I'm just going to have a party with her and she's going to come in and we're all just going to have a great time. It doesn't work out that way. And I think the Bears, if they were going to bring in a uh, draft Mitchell Trubisky, they should have at least said, hey, Glennon, you're our starter, but expect some competition at some point in the near future. According to Glennon, this this is a... Total blindsided pick Where he, he had no idea he was going to have competition He thought he was going to be The guy with 18.5 million guaranteed. guarantee Apparently that wasn't in the plans I think the Bears the night before said Hey if Mitchell Trubisky falls Or if, if a team doesn't trade up for him We'll take him Because reports are saying that The Bears weren't afraid that the 49ers would take him They were afraid that another team would trade up And take Mitchell Trubisky So that's why they made the move first now, I'll say this. If this doesn't work out and Glennon stinks and Trubisky stinks, Ryan Pace, the general manager of the Bears, you, sir, are getting fired. I, I think that could happen regardless because the Bears are going to be pretty bad in the upcoming season. They needed a cornerback. They didn't even draft a cornerback. Quarter- a they drafted a tight end out of Ashland University. I don't know why they need a tight end. Uh, they could have just picked up a-, a free agent or or picked up one later in the draft. But you needed other parts on defense and you didn't get it and now you have Mike Glennon who's not so happy and if you remember Sam Bradford last year when they drafted Wentz at number two Sam Bradford wasn't too happy and the coaches said oh don't worry Bradford you're the quarterback Wentz is not going to play he's just going to learn behind you and you see how that played out Sam Bradford got traded to the Vikings and Wentz wound up starting for the entire season so if I'm Glennon I understand why he's antsy. I understand why he's upset because he feels that his job is threatened. It pretty much is. Trubisky's only had one year at North Carolina, but once a season goes awry, let's say the the Bears start off 1-6, guess who's going to trot out onto the field and play quarterback? It's going to be Mitchell Trubisky.
0: Yeah, and Mike Lennon is still gonna get eighteen and a half million dollars, which is eighteen and a half million dollars more than he should get because he looks like a certified public accountant. I mean, have you have you seen this guy? There I mean, I give him credit for making the NFL, but goodness, I saw him play in Tampa and he was dreadful then. He's I don't expect much more, especially after losing all Sean Jeffrey this offseason. I mean, count your blessings, man, that you've made eighteen and a half million dollars since two thousand thirteen, you've thrown for four Four thousand yards. Most guys do that in the season. So you know what? You've come a long way since your days in North Carolina State. And like Chris Carter said, what? This is the NFL. What do you expect? You expect to just be handed something? Even if you are handed a fat check, you still got to go out and earn it. So maybe he thought, well, they're, they're not going to cut me after one season. Well, you know, it, it worked out for Sam Bradford, and I still don't think the Eagles would have traded him had they not got a first-round pick from Minnesota for him. But, man, Glennon, buck up, bro. This is this is professional sports, all right? You, you got paid. You're going to get your money, and if you want the rest of it, if you want the whole 45, play well. Otherwise— Go somewhere else or just keep your mouth shut. But on a more serious note, do you know a girl named Tammy? Because you throw that name around a lot.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know where Tammy comes from. I don't know why I use Tammy a lot in my explanations. But Tammy is just like the generic... Who is she? <laughs> I, 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 hey, I use Sally one time. I think once or twice I use Sally. Just to F my eye. I don't know any Tammy, so I... Just gonna kind of throw that out there. People always probably knows a Tammy in his past. Yeah. I'm Like, I don't know any Tammys. I don't. Tammy's a, I don't Tammy's even know the
0: sister. surname of Tammy, so I couldn't. I mean, just give me, give me some different name. Throw a, throw a, throw a Becky in there. Throw a, throw no, a Svetlana. Everyone throws Becky in there. I don't like
1: Becky. I like Tammy, because <laughs> Tammy is like, you know, I mean, you don't know any Tammys. I don't know no. any Tammy. So Tammy, the name Tammy needs some love. Okay. Right. So I'm giving Tammy all the Tammys out there. Giving you some love out here on the Mike the Most show. Appreciate
0: it. Number love for all you Tammys. Hashtag Tammy love. All right. That is it for open mic. We're going to come right back. We're going to get to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about baseball. And uh, stay tuned. Coming back. The wrap-up. They did it again, Moe. They did it again. My West Coast team got done, and broke my heart. And but you know what? Are you joking? Are you joking? You're right? Oh, I see what you did there. I, yeah, I, think, I see what you did there. I, I think, Look, I think, when I when I, right. I when I predicted the Clippers would beat the Jazz, nobody could have possibly known that Blake Griffin was gonna hurt his pinky toe or his big toe or one of the many <laughs> metatarsals on his foot. But he did. So. Mo, as the GM prognosticator that you are, what in the world do you do with this team? Where do you start? Do you just leave it as is? I mean, what, if you had a if you had a crystal ball or you were calling the shots, you were you were a young Doc Rivers, you kind of looking like a young <laughs> Doc Rivers actually. What what would you do?
1: Before I put on a plan to fix the Clippers, let's go back a little bit. Who predicted? that the Utah Jazz would be the only team to upset a higher seed in seven games on this show. Who was that?
0: Yeah, I'll give you credit, but it still wouldn't have happened if my man Blake did not get hurt.
1: Listen, okay, the Clippers have been choking for a long time. This is the fifth straight postseason where they've lost the series after being in the lead, so I could have saw the choke job happen whether Blake Griffin was on the court in the stands, driving a Kia, you know, giving out popcorn to the fans. Whatever he was doing, the Clippers were going to choke it away, and they did. Now, to the point at hand, what I would do is I would offer Blake Griffin to the pit, uh, Pittsburgh, to the Detroit Pistons <laughs> for that number 12 pick, and I would try to get a Stanley Johnson, who's a a wing. Uh, he had a step back in his second year in Detroit. They expected him to be A two-weight player, he can score and play a really good defense. I think the Clippers need a wing player who can play defense out there at the three and possibly play the four on a a small ball lineup. But they need to get rid of Blake Griffin. Only because, and I'm not saying this because of his injury issues, he's pretty injury prone, but the fact that even without Blake Griffin at a certain stretch last season, I believe, the Clippers played well without him. So it's not like he's the end all be all like they need to have blake griffin to be successful they need chris paul and of course uh deandre jordan is not effective without chris paul so to me those two are stuck together they're joined at the hip chris paul and deandre jordan you need to have one you need to have both of them as a package deal but blake griffin you can send him off you can get a draft pick this is a guy who's an all-star he i'm not saying he's a slouch on a, on a team like the Pistons, who don't really have anybody at the four, they have John Lord they have Marcus Morris. Tobias Harris is pretty decent, but he's you know he's just a scorer. I know Blake Griffin can pass the ball. He, he averaged five, maybe four or five assists one year. So you can get a piece like that in Detroit. I think Detroit can take a, take the next next step and needs the conference. But the Clippers, Doc Rivers need to needs to relinquish his GM duties. Just be a head coach. Worry about coaching. Don't put the team together. Don't put your son on the team. I, I agree that Austin Rivers deserves a spot on the roster, but as someone pointed out last night, he was in the starting lineup for a couple of games. We will talk about that, but um, Doc needs to relinquish his duties as his GM. Worry about his coaching, and whoever's going to be the GM, if Doc relinquishes his duties, needs to trade Blake Griffin tomorrow.
0: The issue with trading Blake is that it's it's kind of a, a sticky situation because he has that early termination uh, clause that he can exercise. Now, the only way you can trade him is if he were to opt in, and then, then you trade him, but if he opts in, he's opting in under the impression that he's going to play in the L.A., so then you're just going to open a huge can of worms, and maybe he won't go wherever you trade him. So it, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. I mean, you would have to get his approval – forever wherever he would want to go and i i don't think detroit the motor city they don't make keys there i think they're made in vietnam they're actually they're not gonna he's i don't think he's gonna go there and and that team chris paul's not what is he going to be 32 i mean he gets a lot of he gets a lot of you know leeway that he's never gotten a team past the third what, the past the second round of the, of the nba playoffs and I just I don't know. JJ Redick's going to leave. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, they need a small forward. They need a guy that can shoot. And known it wasn't Paul Pierce when he was six hundred years old. They need a guy. I'm, you know, I'm just going to throw a guy like Carmelo. It doesn't have to be Carmelo because the Knicks have their own issues with trying to get younger. And you know, even though I like I like to watch Blake Griffin when he's healthy not so sure adding him to the Knicks at this the way the Knicks are currently constructed would be would be a great success it would it would be fun to watch but anyway they need a small forward they need a guy that can consistently uh, pick and pop play actually play some defense besides you know just DeAndre. But you know a guy that's going to stretch the floor because they don't have that, and a guy like Carmelo would definitely do that. He would open the lane. He would allow Chris, who's his boy on the banana boat, to you know to drive and dish, and then you know going to open the lane for DeAndre to stay down. Now obviously this is a team that has no bench whatsoever, so they could definitely use some draft picks. They could definitely use some you know open up some cash if if it were if they were to trade Blake for not a guy that's going to take back a ton. You know obviously if a guy that's one and done they can waive him or whatever. But it's Doc rivers has done a horrendous job he's kind of running this team into the ground um i would call Vinny del negro and see what he's doing maybe he wants to come back
1: really as a head coach or as a gm
0: both because that was the last time this team was pretty pretty good i know they didn't like him i know it was a personal thing but that was the last time that this team actually got you know deep into the playoffs for whatever the reason it's just it's just not a great mix it's it's and there's already talk here in orlando that you know maybe we can get doc to come back and be the gm whoa stop it no doc is not a gm also larry bird's not coming to the magic now today i read that kevin McHale they want so it's another team that's totally confused but back to la something like you said something's got to happen blake should just go just for his own peace of mind because every season he's either hurt or you're hearing about these trade rumors and, and doc needs to give up one one or the other if he wants to be the gm fine then you need to fire yourself as a coach because it's not it's just not working on both ends
1: So you're saying he wouldn't want to go to Detroit and play under Stan Van Gundy? (laughs) Who doesn't want to play under Stan Van
0: Gundy? Uh, A lot of of guys like Dwight Howard, who the Hawks are also looking to trade this (laughs) offseason. So, yeah.
1: I mean, when you walk into the gym and you hear Stan Van's screeching voice, wouldn't you want that every day? (laughs) Like, wouldn't that motivate you to play your best game? Uh, Because then you would hope that you win a title and then he retires and then you have to never deal with him Uh,
0: It's another guy who's president slash owner. I think he plays some point. I mean, he's he's everywhere for the Pistons. So it just it it doesn't work. And Tom Thibodeau recently did it in Minnesota, and I was super critical of it last year. It, it just it's not. It doesn't work. Some not one person cannot have all that power because it just it, you're stretched too thin. Okay, I mean, there's just too much going on at all hours of the day, 365 days a year, to concentrate on both major parts of a professional organization. I have a hard time doing it on Madden. Okay, so I, I can imagine what it's like in real life.
1: See, because you probably don't manage it your time wisely. You see, if you're like me, who does like six jobs a day, oh, yeah. I can probably be a head coach in the GM and get it done and do it fabulously, like Bill Belichick does it for the Patriots. You know, because obviously this guy has got everything buttoned up. I mean, except his hoodies, because you know they have no buttons on them. Mm-hmm. But in oh. the NBA sense, you're you're right. Where where is really workout with a guy head coach and GM? You're stretched too thin. There's just a lot going on. And the Clippers, I hate to say it, but I think their window is pretty much closed because they're gonna they're gonna do something to change that team, whether they let CP three go or. Blake goes or someone else goes or Doc goes. That team, that that window for them winning or getting to the Western Conference finals or getting to the NBA finals for that matter, that window is shut because again they five straight postseasons when they had an early exit after lead. So something has got to change.
0: Remember a couple years ago when the Golden State Warriors were that you know cuddly, fuzzy little team that everybody liked, and everybody was like, "Oh, oh Steph Curry's so cute, he shoots a nice three pointer, and oh, Klay Thompson, and yeah, and then they got Draymond, and then Steve Kirk came, and then they got really angry and they hate the world. That 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 escalated quickly, Mo.
1: Yeah, I mean, once you start winning, you go from being. The hunter to the hunted, so I guess that's where it comes from. I guess, yeah. but I mean, I mean, yeah. But they, I think they embrace it. And when I say that, um, the Warriors didn't exactly respect their opponent, the Utah Jazz, because basically they didn't even talk about the Jazz over the past week. They talked about uh going to Utah and not having any. any Matt Barnes, Andre Iguodala, most of them wanted to play against the clippers because they wanted that la nightlife mike knows about that la nightlife Don't but here's a quote from andre godala saying because you're in la you're like man this is just the vibe in la but in utah it can kind of blow you to sleep and then you've slept too long and i'm bored out of my mind and now you got to try to pump yourself up for the game now <laughs> you're in the play and now he did go on to say it's the play so you should be pumped but my thing is you should be focused on your opponent. Why? Yeah. The nightlife should not matter. Of course, once you're in your downtime, you want to go out, you want to hit a bar or something, fine. But this whole team, I shouldn't say this whole team, but specifically Barnes, Iguodala, and even Steph Curry were just talking about, man, there is nothing to do in Utah. Steph Curry talked about going to the slopes, snowboarding, snowmobiling. I, I mean... Come on. Uh, the Warriors are showing their ad- their arrogance. I think they're going to sweep the series. After predicting Utah will go to seven and beat Clippers, I think they're going to get swept by Golden State. I'm probably right. But at least show some respect for, for your for opponent. Like, like, what happened to the respect level, people?
0: I got a couple friends from Utah, and i actually been to Utah myself. I mean, it was at Sundance, the film festival, and it was in Park City. Amazing little town had one of my, my most favorite trips ever. So I don't know if, if Matt Barnes, who also has a restraining order, the entire city of L.A. has a restraining order against him, and he hasn't realized this yet. Um, they just need to venture out. Like, yeah, Salt Lake, it's, it's the capital, not a whole lot going on. But there's there's plenty to do. There's Ogden, Utah. There's, there's a couple other places that I can't think of right now besides, you know, Park City. But there's a lot. But come on, guys. Like, really, this is the NBA – Playoffs. You've been waiting all season. You've been bored out of you. You've been boring us out of our minds watching, getting ready, getting to this point. Just, Just sweep the series and move on. But you want to play the Clippers because you want to go. To, you want to go to the Roxy or you want to go to Hwood? You want to walk down Hollywood Boulevard and put your hands in, in the Semantic Ramen's Chinese Theater? Shut up. You want to walk the beach at, at Manhattan, at Zuma, Malibu? Give me a break. Give me a break. You're a professional athlete. Matt Barnes is from L.A., went to UCLA. You can go there whenever this this, this playoff ends sometime in late June. Like, Separate it, man. Like, I understand Steve Kerr has been out. You know, the kids are running the classroom right now. Things are going wild, but somebody's got to be a leader. Somebody's got to just get these guys together, and it is. It's is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really arrogance. It's not even cockiness so much, because cockiness is cute. You can work with that, but arrogance gets to the point where people are going to stop liking you and stop rooting for you. Just like when you turned LeBron James into a bigger hero than he ever was last year. Now, I, I hope, I wish that Utah would come back and win this series. It's not going to happen, but I also did say that Houston is going to beat San Antonio, and that's looking like a pretty good pick. So, I hope my man James the Beard Harden can do his thing in the next round, and that would be something that maybe if you worried a little bit less about the nightlife in L.A. and a little bit more about your opponent, especially the one coming up that can that can score with the best of them, then, you know, it's going to bite you in the butt. It
1: might, so all the stuff that you named in L.A. to do, you probably did all those things in one night. Oh, mul-
0: yeah, multiple you times. I mean, depending on traffic because, you know, two miles could take you 20 minutes, but yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, you 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 just love the LA nightlife, don't you?
0: You know what can I say? You know I'm just one with the city. All right, that's
1: enough. <laughs> we didn't need to hear it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, Utah. I'm I'm am sorry to say this, but I I don't see them winning one game only because if you look at the way Utah is constructed, they one of their best players, Rudy Gobert. I know they have Gordon Hayward, but Rudy Gobert, he's going to basically be. Obsolete. I don't know if you saw him on Steph Curry in Game One. Steph Curry made him do a seven twenty spin, and it was pretty embarrassing. Um, So who is he going to guard once you put Draymond Green at the fives? It it just—it's a very easy matchup for the Golden State Warriors to exploit. Uh, It's going to be very simple. They're going to beat Utah, and they're going to come back uh, to Golden State and prepare for that next for that next round, which you are probably right—it's going to be the Houston Rockets because no Tony Parker. He blew out his quadriceps, and LaMarcus Aldridge is not looking like the guy that they thought they were going to get on the offensive end. So I see a good series between Golden State and Houston coming up next. I, I think it's a seven-game series. A lot of people disagree with me, but if you look at the way Houston is constructed, they can hit a lot of, a lot of three-pointers like the Golden State Warriors do. I don't know about their defense. Uh, you're going to expect a lot of 121 to 114 outcomes, but it's going to be a pretty good series. What is not pretty good and what is not pretty is Lonzo Ball's new shoes, which cost $495.
0: <laughs> That's now, a couch.
1: That is a couch. Yeah. $495 for some basketball shoes that I would not wear nope. to my kid's birthday party if I had a kid, Mm-mm. okay? Uh, the Z02s are out. They actually have $220 sandals that complement the Z02 sneaker. That's a deal. Which I wouldn't wear either. Yeah, great deal there. <laughs> But um, I mean, I just bought a pair of Jordans last week, and my Jordans cost me two hundred twenty dollars. Why would I spend four hundred? Why would I spend five hundred on some basketball shoes from a kid who has not played an NBA minute? Why would I do that? I don't know why, but LeVar Ball throw is a good idea, and I I push back on that. He was rejected by Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas on a one billion dollar partnership. Didn't work out, and I guess you wonder why. But maybe he has an ace up his sleeve. Maybe Le- LeVar Ball has something going on we don't know about. But $495 on retail for some shoes, some basketball shoes that you're going to probably wear to the court, to the mailbox. I don't get it. He gets it. Obviously, he has a bigger plan. But, Mike, real quick, mm-hmm. would you drop $500 for some basketball shoes? Because I know, I know, Mike, you are... You, you know, your bank account overflowing with money. You <laughs> yeah. got cash to throw away. Oh, $500 yeah. is nothing to you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you got $1,000 shoes in your closet right now. You're probably wearing a Multi. two-piece suit yep. as we do this show. No doubt. So go ahead. Tell me that you're going to spend 500 on Lonzo Ball's ZO2s. The right? only
0: pair of sneakers or shoes in general that I would ever spend that much money on would be the Nike Mags. With the self laces from the movie Back to the Future 2. Why? Because that is a part of my childhood, okay? And that is a dream that I have had for many years. That in owning the DeLorean. It doesn't have to be the time machine, just the DeLorean. But. Let me tell you something. These shoes are so ugly. These shoes look like the Steph Currys, but not like the ones that made, you know, into production. The ones that were like, you know, a demo that we played out on like on the court and then it rained and then somebody stepped in some mud and some dog crap and then we like threw them over the wall and then they got ran over by a car. Like, it, they're just yeah. – they're not good-looking shoes and this this man, this his father, LaVar, is a bum. I mean you are trying to <clears throat> swindle people hardcore. Listen to what he said today on Twitter. He says, big ballers loose. If you can't afford the ZO2s, you're not a big baller with a money bag sign. Well, you're a big loser. (laughs) So, I just don't understand... Why this Why this kid? I know he's young, but he is, his father is running his career that has yet to even take off straight into the ground. Nobody's going to want to be associated with him. And I know today it came out and the Lakers said, oh, we're enamored with him. We want him. That's a horrible idea because to keep him in L.A. where he's from – with his father and everything else around him is is one bad idea. Adding him with Jordan Clarkson and De- DeAngelo Russell and, and the rest of those kids on that team, Luke Walton, man, I feel for you. I would quit so fast because Lavar Ball is gonna try to probably be the coach of the team sometime next season. And my last thing I'll say about this is ZO2. I, I had to think, what, what does that mean? Is it like a playoff on H2O? But then I realized that he wore the number two in high school and in college. I hope that he goes to a team where a star has the number two like John Wall. He's not going to go to Washington, I know. But I hope he goes somewhere that the number two has been retired And nobody gives him that number. Because it is so egotistical to put your high school and college number into your shoe. You are not Michael Jordan. You are not Allen Iverson. You do not deserve a shoe regardless of one that's $495. So whatever happens to this guy and his family, they've put on themselves. If anyone buys this shoe, please let us know on the Twitter at Mike and Mo Show. take, Take a picture. Because... I wouldn't. I won't believe it otherwise. I really wouldn't.
1: You know what? I thought the shoe was okay. I just don't like the gel, little you know engrave on the side. I, I'm not really for that. It, I don't know. It just again, it's it looks like a shoe that you just wear to the court, not something you would pay five hundred dollars for. I don't know where he got that price from. I, that's gonna have to come down. I guarantee you by the time. He's drafted, or by the time he plays his first basketball game, that price is going to come down to about three hundred. Now, if he's really good, if he's really good out of the box, like LeBron James was in his first year, that price will probably go balloon back up to five hundred or something close to it. But you're going to get people buying his shoe. I guarantee you one of the rap stars, one of them hip hop, whatever, one of them buys his shoe. It's going to blow up. Because then it could say, I, I, I want that shoe where there's $500, where there's 300 because people were wearing... I mean, Jordan's didn't never cost that much money unless you want, like, a custom-made joint sneaker. But once it gets into the popular mainstream, people are going to eventually pick it up. I guarantee you, you're going to see people wear the $220 sandals that he has. And to me, again, it's all money-driven, but it, it plays into the name... The brand name, so I can kind of see why it costs so much. But me personally, I'll stick to my Air Max. I'll stick to my Jordans that I bought, and I'm cool with that. I don't need any ZO2s. But I'm interesting to see. I'm interested to see how the kid plays because if he lands on your Lakers team, Ugh. I can kind of see Angelo Russell moving on somewhere else, and then giving the ball to Mr. Ball and him being the face of that franchise.
0: What a mess. What a mess. Well, for one mess, let's move on to another in the world of baseball. And uh, by now, you've, you've had to hear about the about the incidents that had gone on at uh, Fenway Park in Boston. Uh, Adam Jones of the Baltimore Orioles, he was the target of, of racist chants the other night um, when his team was taken on Boston in Fenway. And, and, and it's just... There's so much to this story that is just so awful and then you get a guy like like Kurt Schilling who played for Boston and who's just a knucklehead to the extreme who comes out and, and says the thing he does. Mo, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you say it because I can't even understand how this thought formulates in his mind. Yeah, with
1: with all we with all the stuff that we have going on in the world today, and I quote this is a quote from Kurt Schilling himself. He says, I don't believe the story given the world we live in. Now, I, I'm sorry, but Kirk Schilling, what world are you living in? Have you not watched the news? Have you not watched anything mainstream? Have you not been on Twitter or any social media platform? Look around you. It's it's all around you. This is a sensitive time in, in society. This is probably one of the most sensitive times in decades. So for him to make a comment like that shows just how clueless he is. And he was on Breitbart Radio, which, which perpetuates all of these right-wing, right- white privilege type of idealisms and concepts so it goes along with with his uh his spiel after he uh failed at his video gaming endeavors but who is who is Kurt Schilling to make these comments and just look at his track record and I'm, I'm not really surprised but for him to make that comment it just shows just he's totally clueless on the subject
0: Kurt Schilling is the Lavar Ball of baseball for for all uh, you know. I, I really can't understand, nor will I try to understand, especially when you have the the Red Sox president Sam Kennedy, the Boston mayor Marty Walsh, and Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred come out and condemn the actions, uh, totally inappropriate. And then you even find out that. There were 60 ejections at Fenway Park that night. Now, Boston's president, uh, Sam Kennedy, told WEI that only, there were only 34. So, you know, there's a gray area there, obviously. But regardless if it's 60 people or 34 morons thrown out for a game, that's one too many, okay? Uh, and this is something that we've – if you're a baseball fan, if you're from the Northeast, you've heard, you've heard this a lot in the, in the past. Uh, a couple incidences uh, go back. Uh, David Price, who's now a member of the Red Sox, says that when he was a member of the Rays and he was in the bullpen during games, pregame, during the game, after the game, that he heard racist taunts. And this is a guy that plays for the team, okay? And you got CC Sabathia, who, oh, yeah, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're gonna say, well, it's because he's a Yankee. But CC says that he's never been called the N word anywhere but in Boston. Okay. He also went on to say that there's 62 of us, meaning African-American players, and that they all know that when they go to Boston to expect racism. Barry Bonds, who regardless of how you feel about Barry Bonds, once said that he would never ever play for the Boston Red Sox because Boston – is the most racist town in America. Those are his words. Even Manny Ramirez, who is beloved in Boston, admitted that when he was a member of the Cleveland Indians to begin his career, said that the fans in Boston can get a bit out of control. I mean, it's a sporting event, people. You are never going to come in contact with these people outside of the stadium you know maybe a tenth of a, of a opportunity in your life so when a guy like Mookie Betts who's also an African-American who plays for Boston even has to go on Twitter and say look I'm black too I understand it is an issue there needs to be something done and Mo I actually have I have a way to fix this are you ready?
1: Mr. Soccer, go ahead. All
0: right, here we go. Exactly. We do – MLB needs to do exactly like they do in European soccer. And what do I mean by that? Well, when fans are out of control and they're throwing flares and they're fighting in the stands and they are chanting racist chants in unison, if you don't believe me, go on YouTube Type in German soccer, type in anything in Europe, and then I guarantee something's going to come up or you're going to be totally appalled by what you hear. Now, what happens during these games is that the game is suspended. Right then and there, the referees pull the players off the field. Now, it's all, it's to protect the players, obviously, and also to protect the fans that aren't you know, complete a-holes. So what happens then is that the governing body of the league finds the team. Now, we're not talking like thousands. We're talking millions of dollars, and this is on top of, of losing you know, the revenue from the game, tickets, parking, whatever, food. So what they then do is they come back a week later, whenever, and they play the game. But they play the game to an empty stadium. So now you want to talk about no home field advantage. You want to talk about really – Putting your team up against a wall that's exactly what you deserve because one person is going to ruin it for everyone, but the team is really what what is going to lose out in the long run but again if if you're a representative of that team and as a fan, that's what you are by wearing the colors and going in and cheering for them, you're just as responsible and if you want to do something stupid off the field to play it's going to affect what happens on it so that is my my iota that is how I would fix this because if it was. 62 or 35 or one person that was chanting racist things or throwing a bag of peanuts at Adam Jones, like what was reported, it's ridiculous. Now, you know, racism is not dead. Where nobody, I'm not blind to that. Curt Chilling is, obviously, and it needs to stop. So whatever it is, and Mookie Betts says we need to stand up and we need to start something, like there is in soccer. Even here in MLS, there is a say no to racism campaign. Something needs to be done immediately by MLB because if I'm a player, if I'm a team like Baltimore – I, I, would, I would not go. I would say I am not going to Baltimore. If you want to give us a loss – excuse me, Boston. If you want to give us a loss to, and dock us money, we, we're, we are forfeiting the game. We are not going to go to Boston. And if every team did that, something would have to be drastically done. They would, Whatever it is, take away all the games from Boston. I don't care. But something has to be done because this it's ridiculous. I mean this should not happen. These guys are the professionals. Your professional players—they're getting paid to put on a service to be entertainers for you for three hours, and you want to act like an like an imbecile, like an animal? But no, there's no room for that. So go do that on your own house.
1: My question is, why why Boston of all the places and cities to go, why is it that Boston is so hostile when it comes to you know racially charged? Topics like this Because I know LeBron James Spoke about this And he says he just Tried to zone it out And you remember The, the LeBron James series With Cavs yeah. and, and the Celtics And Paul Pierce And those guys I wonder why that is In Boston Because you just Rattled off a list of players Who basically agreed That Adam Jones said you know When you go to Boston You have to almost expect it So I don't, I don't know what that is I would like to, to hear From other sports teams I would like to hear From teams that Go to New England To play the Patriots In that New England area I know a lot of Boston fans are, are there. Um, it's just interesting that, that Boston, of all the cities, is picked out, is singled out. And I, I just want to know why, why is that, of all, of all the cities? Because I'm sure they have diversity there, too, in Boston.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's very strange. I mean, it's a, it's a very liberal town. I mean, I've, I've spent some time there. People are, seem to be very open. I mean, I know that there's a lot of, you know, tradition. Uh, fandom is very high. They've had some pretty successful teams over the years. But for whatever the reason, they can't separate, you know, uh, politics from their baseball, from, from whatever sport. Because like you said, it, it is something that the other sports have dealt with. Um, You know, there's been black players in the NHL that, you know, there's only a few, but they have uh, faced even worse things that have happened on the ice. Uh, P.K. Subban, for once, who uh, I'm not 100% sure if he plays with the Canadians still or if he did. I think he did at one time. Uh, He said it was one of the worst experiences of his life playing in Boston. So... Uh, yeah I, I don't know some a study needs to be done and well and, uh, I don't know if it's more policing or a better school teaching I don't know but something in the city of Boston has gone awry and and it needs to be rectified otherwise I wouldn't go I mean I would boycott I would boycott the city if I was a player uh, I fake an illness whatever it is because why should I even go on the field and jeopardize my safety give you my talent for three hours and if, if you're gonna be a punk uh, you know, there's, there's no. I get uncomfortable when I go to sporting events, and I work and for Orlando City here. And if I hear something in the stands, and I hear, you know, it makes me uncomfortable when even a fan is just yelling things at a player, an opposing player. It doesn't even have to be curse words. But if it's just like, what do you get out of that? What? Why does that give you your jollies? I, I, I don't. I just don't. I don't understand. Maybe it's because I'm not a fanatic. I mean, I'm a huge sports fan. I, I, I bleed certain colors, you know, Yankee blue, Carolina blue, but. I just, I would, yeah, I'm sorry, I had to plug that. I would never throw, I would never go to that next level. I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know how that gets ingrained in someone. I really don't. And um, like I said, it just, something needs to change.
1: It's like trolling. I think people just get a rise out of being able to affect others, especially when you're at a sporting event. You want to be part of the game, you want to be part of the action. If you can get a rise out of a player, they feel like they're a part of it. They feel like and they also some of them feel entitled. They're like, I paid all this money for this seat, especially people in the front row. I don't know if you saw it, but Patrick Beverly the Houston Rockets had an incident with a fan where he was on the he was on the sideline and a fan said something to him and it had to be either racially charged or something had to do with his family because he got upset and he said, Hey, you can boo me, you can cheer for the other team, that's fine, but when you go personal It's a different story And like I said I think with fans Sometimes they cross the line Yeah And with NBA With the NBA They have A lot closer access They're they're so close to the court They can reach out And just touch players Baseball They're in the stands But you know The players can still hear them But I think fans Just need to take a step back Because fandom in general Can be Again fanish or fanatic Fans could be especially when there's alcohol involved, fans, fans can be real obnoxious. Oh yeah, I mean and sometimes a lot of them cross the line.
0: Yeah, they they do not serve alcohol at soccer matches in England for that exact reason because you know, uh, you can drink before the game, you can drink after the game for that like, 90 minutes or so. You it's, it's dangerous, and, and yeah, if that's one way to do it, I know, you know, here in the States, they stop usually by the seventh inning or, you know, the, uh, what is it, like the 60th minute in soccer or the third quarter. Uh, you know, certain things are in play, but, you know, you can't police 45,000 people. I get that it's not easy. Um, now, we're,
1: now, we're old enough to remember... The Malice and the Palace. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Like, it was just yesterday. Yep, never I forget. The when charging into the stands and basically just punched the fans' lights out, and you saw Jermaine O'Neal do the same thing on the court. Yep. When you see things like that, you would think that fans would, A, look at that video and say, that could be me if oh, I'm yeah. out of a. B. these players are twice my size. Let me just sit down and enjoy the game.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, I don't get spending $200 on a ticket and, like, this fan now getting... Uh, banned for life From Fenway Park And look, look Nobody's naive enough To think he won't Try to come back In the stadium It's like when you get Banned from a theme park I'm sure people slip in But again If you go back And you, you, know, it, you know It's trespassing So you'll get locked up But I just don't understand Why you why you would do that Spend the money It's like people That run on the field Like what are you Getting out of that To say Well I did that Well congratulations Now you'll never go You'll never do it again You'll also never go back To the stadium And enjoy it So uh, yeah, very, very interesting, Mo. Um, but, uh... Is that not, not, everyone, awesome? but not everyone
1: are, not everyone are, you know, guys and gentlemen and like we are, so it's you true. have to go and understand that. But <laughs> going from Boston to New York, uh, we're gonna end off with Mike basically gloating... About Aaron Judge because of course we all want to hear about how great he is and how he's the next Babe Ruth. So go ahead, Mike. Tell him, <laughs> tell him how he's the next best Yankee and how he's gonna break all types of records. I mean, it's hard not
0: to say that. I mean, the guy just turned <laughs> just turned 25 years old. For those who don't know, Aaron Judge, six foot seven, 282 pounds. I mean that. That is a small, that, that's, a, that's a small forward, power forward-ish. That is a, that's like Jimmy Graham, maybe a little bit bigger than Jimmy Graham. I mean, this is a behemoth of a man. He swings a 35-inch, 33-ounce bat. That's a, that's a tiny telephone pole, guys. And, and what he did last night is he hit his 13th home run of the season. He is the fastest man in the history of baseball. To hit 13 home runs in 26 games, the first 26 games of a season. I mean, absolutely remarkable. Do I expect him to do this all season? No. But you know what? It's amazing to watch. Right now, the Yankees are—they're flying on all cylinders. Uh, they're in first place. They're actually getting back the guy who did all of this last year, Gary Sanchez, who's been on the DL for a little over a month. He's coming back tomorrow. So I—I'm i am I'm, I'm I'm trying to to maintain some kind of composure, but again. What he did last night, it's remarkable. He's now become the seventh player in Major League Baseball history to hit at least 17 long balls in his first 52 games, going back to the four that he hit last year. And again, last year he struggled immensely. Everybody was was counting this guy out because he struck out, you know, I think it was like uh, once every three at-bats he had a strikeout. It was just, it was absurd. So got sent down to the uh, the minors, and everybody was saying this year, well, he's barely going to make the team, almost didn't make the team out of spring training. Aaron, uh, the other Aaron, Aaron Hicks, actually, so almost beat him out. And, and he's just it just shows the hard work the dedication that this guy has put in and, and i wrote an article about him today for yank school yard the guy's just a humble dude i mean there's stories about him where people are comparing him to be you know the next Derek jeter and in my eyes that's a little sacrilege but even Derek jeter basically came out and said that his demeanor and attitude uh it's it's the right way it's the way baseball should be played you know jeter said he's a fan of his and then there was uh, eduardo perez who used to play uh, professional ball he was on mlb network radio this morning and he came out and he interviewed judge the night before and said that judge took the time to actually shake everyone's hand that was interviewing him in the clubhouse and ask their name one by one I mean that manners like that uh poised like that for a 25 year old you know it just it, it doesn't exist and you know more people should take a page out of this book and and even bigger than the 13 home runs it's the fact that he's just a, he's a good person. He was raised well. He's doing the right thing. And, and to that, you know, you got to applaud. I don't care if he was a Red Sox or a Yankee or a Giant or a Met. You know, you got you to give it up when, when, when it's due because right now, he's, he's the leader of this team. And the Yankees got a lot of young talent, but uh, he's, he's just doing it the right way. And like I said, with Sanchez coming back and, and, and the, the treasure trove of kids in the minor leagues, it's a very exciting time to be a Yankee fan, not an exciting time to be a Mets fan.
1: Um, Mo, I cr- uh, I cried for re- <laughs> you. Why, why are we even? That meds are not even on the docket. No, no, to- they're I, not. I left. I purposely left the no, meds on the not. docket, so we wouldn't even have to go there. Uh,
0: but what? Went. What? What? You didn't want me to talk about Noah Syndergaard being out at least three months with a torn lat after a day after he said there's nothing wrong with my lat, bro. I, I don't need an MRI, bro. <laughs> don't don't talk about my lat, bro.
1: That's how It's a long season, bro. Yeah, it's gonna long. be it's gonna be a right. short it's
0: gonna be a short short season for the Mets.
1: Stop it! It's <laughs> gonna, they'll get it together. The injuries will heal themselves, next and year. they'll be back in the next. Trust me. Next Real year. quick about Aaron next Judge. Year. Back to the topic at mm-hmm. hand. Sorry. Over or under forty home runs run when it's all said and done for Aaron Judge.
0: Ah, that's hard. That's hard because I mean, my barber
1: says my barber, who who gave me a, a very nice fade today, by the way, says forty two.
0: 42. I mean Sanchez hit 19 in 52 games last year so you know you know uh, uh, extrapolating which is one of my favorite words extrapolating that over the course of a season he would have he would have hit you know close to 60. Um, but again baseball's a tough game it's a game of streaks when you're hot you ride it. So I'm going to say under. I'm going to go 37. Um, I'm going yeah, to go th- Yeah, I'm going to go 37 but more importantly I'm going to say we're going to make the playoffs now i don't know if that's going to be as you know the uh, winning the al east or the wild card but but that's what's important to me because this was supposed to be a rebuild year this was supposed to be a year where everybody in the media and i mean everyone predicted the yankees to finish dead last below the tampa rays so yeah so you got to give it up you got to give it up it's it's been a great thing but uh yeah i don't want to get too ahead of myself uh, injuries happen; it's a part of the game. Like you said, it's a long season. We, we're only—what I, I, are we? I think sixteen percent. We are sixteen percent through the MLB season this year. That's—that's that's not a lot. So, and it's going to get hot. It's going to get really, really hot very soon. So, my man hits thirty-seven. I will be ecstatic because we've got there was what six guys in the team hitting over three hundred. Uh, I mean, everything. Just clicking on all cylinders, we can get any pitching. Uh, C.C. Sabathia, I'm, I'm talking to you. Uh, this team is going to be dangerous, you know. And I didn't, I don't, I still, I'm not sure if they're going to go out and make a make a move for for a starter, a Jose Quintana or a, a Sunny Gray. But if this team is in the thick of it come August, uh, a starting pitcher could put them over the top and make them the team to beat in the in the A.L. Because right now it's them and the Nationals as the best offenses in all of baseball, and the Yankees still are up there in and best ERAs in baseball. So. Hard to believe, Mo. I'm loving every second of it. And um, go
1: Yankees. Yeah, it's a lot of pom-pom waving for one second, man. That was a lot of pom-pom waving. I, I'm sure your biceps are I'm, pumping I'm
0: right. exhausted, but yeah, they do look good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Mike is out of breath after all that uh cheering for his Yankees. Such such a, you know, he, he's not, he's not biased people. He's He's very balanced on his analysis. I mean, if you read his, his articles on Yanks O'Gard, very balanced guy, very balanced writer, yeah, I will yeah. say. But when he gets on the show, he trashes the Mets. Every chance he gets, probably forgive him for it. But, again, that's our show, episode 45 in the books. Quick surprise, I didn't want to announce this at the beginning. I wanted to save it for the end, but this show... We're trying to get this show going live next week. Episode 46, we could be going live. So, all you people who have been listening, you can get in the chat box. And I, want, I don't want to say you can steer the show, but you can throw your comments out there and we'll be able to respond to you in real time. So, that's, that, that'll be a fun shift for, for the Mike Gemo show. Obviously, we've been doing this pre recorded and putting this out. We thank you guys for listening. So, we're trying to do some, trying to have some upgrades so you can get more involved in what we're doing. So I'm sure you want to be involved. Of course, we again we appreciate it, and we're moving on up.
0: Absolutely, and Laura will not be talking any Indiana sports whatsoever. So <laughs> keep that out of the comments. She, she
1: she she is going to be all over the Indiana sports map from yeah. Purdue to the Pacers Whew. to the Colts. She um she likes the Bengals. I'm oh. sure there's going to be a lot of Bengals and Colts and a lot of Joe Mixon talk and all that stuff in between. She's she's on it.
0: You know who has a brighter future than the Bengals?
1: <laughs> the Jets. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's that's kind of stretching it. Like, yeah. Josh Josh McCown is out there saying he's willing to mentor Christian Hackenberg or or Bryce Petty, and I, and I cringed at that because why would you want some journeyman quarterback who hasn't done much in the league mentoring? Those two guys, I don't, I don't, want. I'll, that.
0: I'll mentor him. I got no problem doing it. I mean, I can probably, I can probably put some yards on the board. But uh, I, 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 like the Jamal Adams pick. I don't know why we came back in the second round with another safety. We're gonna play all safeties. I know we released our starting safety today, but um, God, questions, questions abound. Another, another, another weird draft for the Jets. I, I like, I love, I love the first pick. He, uh, Jamal Adams, should not have been on the board by all estimations. Should have been off sure. the board before.
1: Your boy, going to the Giants, he spoke about a million times on the previous yeah, episode. Yeah, the Davis college. Davis Webb going yeah. to the Giants as a potential heir to the yeah. spot. I mean, you were cheering for that one.
0: The yeah. University of Davis Webb right there in Austin, Texas. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I think he's great. But as, uh, as, the, as the Giants front office said, it is not Eli's job to mentor. Mr. Davis Webb. So interesting.
1: Isn't this job to sell memorabilia. That's oh,
0: low blow. <laughs> True story, but low blow. Low blow. I, I, I appreciate that though, because I would have said it myself if you hadn't. So
1: yeah, you. I mean, you set that up perfect. I, I, mean, did. I, I It was like an alley. It was like a perfect Chris Paul to DeAndre oh, joined alley.
0: Chris Paul. I could Next next year he might be giving those uh, to Kawhi Leonard in uh, San Antonio.
1: Ooh. Not gonna happen. No, no. He's too flashy for San San Antonio. Likes the old. I mean Chris Paul is a very smart. Chris
0: Paul's old. Card. He's
1: thirty two. He's old. He's old, but I, he's. I don't see him going to San Antonio only because I think Tony Parker plays that another year because I don't. I don't think he wants to go out like that. He you should know, on the court with his car just like bust up. I don't, I don't think he wants to go out like that. They'll bring him back. Chris Paul's not old enough for the Spurs. He had to be like 33 to get on the Spurs team. <laughs> I mean, look at how Gasol. Look how long it took them to go for him to replace Tim Duncan. So, All right. So Chris Paul needs about two more years on his state ID to get to the Spurs.
0: All right. So Chris yeah. Chris Paul opts in for one more year. Then he was when he's a free agent at 33, he goes to retire in San Antonio. All right. I like yeah. it. All right. It's I like, it. like a plan.
1: It's a it's a good sounds plan. like a plan.
0: All right, episode forty-five in the books. Uh, stay tuned. We're gonna hit. We'll give you some news and notes during the week. If you're, uh, if you wanna sign on next week to follow the show live. Until then, I'm Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Moulton. We'll catch you soon. Bye bye.